Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the Games. This episode is part two of the previous episode of, with Maria Koroleva. It's an incredible story. Obviously, as you heard, we kind of left it on a little bit of a cliffhanger. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, the first part of the story was incredible. The second part is just as many twists and turns. So Maria is an incredible person. If you have not listened to part one, I highly suggest it because, again, this is we're jumping right into the middle of the story. So thank you so much for listening to part one. Thank you so much for listening to part two. And uh, away we go. All right. Well, I guess I guess I can pick up um, where we left off in the story where so it's the beginning of 2012, January of 2012. It's this is this is the Olympic year. So in August of that year, the London 2012 Olympics are going to come around and it's nine months out from the games and I decide to have back surgery. (laughs) So like I like I previously mentioned, my I had my hip surgery a couple of years before that. My back was still really bothering me. It was just to the point where like I couldn't sleep. I felt like I couldn't train to a full capacity. And we finally just decided, okay, we're just going to go for it. It's supposed to be a pretty simple procedure. The surgeon who, who did it seemed confident that I would be able to, to return back to training and everything would be okay. So I did it. Of course, it's, you know, very stressful trying to like think in my head, okay, am I gonna am I gonna come back? In March of that year, we had our Olympic qualifier in London. So this is every sport has a test event at the Olympic venue. So this was ours. And this was really the last time that we could qualify for the Olympics. So in team, we would have to get top three. In duet, we would have to get top like 17 or something like that. So I was only gonna compete in the duet event because I just, we weren't gonna be able to push my back so much that I was gonna be able to swim all four programs. I could only do two, which already felt kind of weird because it's like, if you're on the team, you're expected to swim everything. And this is like, they were making a special exception for me. I was very thankful, but it was already a little weird with Mm -hmm. like me Mm -hmm. and you know my teammates. And then kind of everything went a little bit downhill from there. So. Mary and I were training our duet. Everything seemed to be going okay. And we get an email one day from our executive director saying there has been an arbitration filed against USA Synchro. An arbitration is like one step below a lawsuit. And you guys are involved in the situation. So I would recommend that you find a lawyer to defend yourself. And this is like in the middle of training. I think it was during like one of our lunch breaks. And so what turns out was that Olivia and Michelle, so my old duet partner and her new partner, had filed this arbitration against USA Synchro pretty much saying that the duet selection for the Olympic duet was not done correctly, that they picked, pretty much that they picked the wrong duet. And our executive director said, look, you guys are going to have to defend yourself in this arbitration, so you need to find a lawyer that's just going to represent you. Because USA Synchro has their own lawyer, but since we are such a big part of it, they're pretty much trying to take our spot in the in the Olympic duet. You need to find somebody to defend you. Mm-hmm. So again, this is in the middle of training. We're like three weeks out from the Olympic Olympic qualifier. We have no money, like mm-hmm. we don't, and we don't know how to find a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I can't so, remember. So one quick question with that, how... <sighs> Like obviously, I'm I'm sure the wording was very important in that. But how the, they picked your current partner, Mary, and then Olivia, correct? Not Olivia, Michelle. Olivia's partner, Michelle. Thank you. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, getting back into the names. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you ch- they chose each of them. So the the lawsuit said that they chose the wrong duet, though. So what, it, what, should they have picked you and Olivia at that point, or, or like what exactly did much, that mean? 
it pretty much said like there was a there was a list of um, list of procedures that that were supposed to be followed, and the arbitration said that pretty much USA Synchro did not follow those procedures. Okay. Therefore, the results could and should have been different. I mean, in in a sense, they wanted the other duet to be picked as the Olympic duet and not. Yeah. Yeah, I could understand the reason for them, I guess, yeah. kind of bringing it. In that case, that makes sense if they're mm-hmm. saying that the process was not correct. But I was going to say, yeah. if it was just they picked the wrong duet, I mean, they picked the number one and the number two as mm-hmm. of the rankings. If if there is, the that's probably the most, I don't know, arbitrary way, for yeah, lack yeah. of a better term, to yeah. pick two, um, you know, aside from everything we already spoke about, about how, you know, synchronized swimming partners are usually – um, together for a long time and you and Mary obviously just did extremely well at the Pan Am game so it's mm-hmm. very interesting the way that so thank you just for clearing that up I appreciate it yeah I think the 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 arguments that they made they kind of picked like the small cracks in mm-hmm. in kind of what what took place mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and tried to blow them up and you know again it's like I understand you are so close to 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 making the Olympic team, you, you really want it. And you're just trying to do anything possible to try to get that spot. This just felt like a nasty way of going about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially coming from people I've swam with for a Mm -hmm. long time, people who are on my team currently, that was like hard Mm -hmm. to, to swallow knowing that, that these people are trying to, to take away my Olympic dream. And I, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I was just competing. I'm doing the best mm-hmm. that I can. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, I know it wasn't supposed to be like a personal attack, but it kind of felt like one. Yeah, absolutely. And so here we are again, trying to prepare for the most important competition to date that's going to qualify us for the games. And we're running around trying to find a lawyer who's going to work for us pro bono because again we get paid like pennies like mm-hmm. we're we barely have enough to pay rent and to buy food for us for ourselves training for the olympics mm-hmm. so we find this lawyer i don't even remember how he was great he helped us and then one we took they took one day it was like a full eight to six hour day we sat in a conference room and there was an arbitrator there was you know usa synchro lawyers our lawyer the uh, mm-hmm. Megan and, or Olivia and Michelle's lawyer, and we just like they we just hashed it out. And the the worst thing that came out of this in the end, they lost because I think their arguments were just a little too flimsy. But so when the when the Olympic duet is selected, or, or when any Olympic team is selected, there's obviously the rankings, like I mentioned before, and then there's a committee that goes into a room and talks about it. So the rankings could say one thing, but they could pick somebody somebody else. And there's the discussion that goes on inside that committee is very, very confidential. Like clearly you're discussing real people here. You're discussing their flaws. You're discussing who would be the best for the Olympic duet. That discussion should never leave that room. Mm -hmm. And pretty much what happened during this whole arbitration is that everything came out. Mm -hmm. We learned exactly what people were for us, which people were against us. And it was, that was like, that was really hard. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that we found out was that our coach on the national team actually didn't want Mary and I to be the duet. The coach who had just taken us to the Pan American Games, who, you know, I had built a pretty close relationship with, and that was extremely hurtful. Mm -hmm. So even even after we found out that we won, we were still going to remain as the Olympic duet. It's like, how do you continue Mm -hmm. with somebody who you knew didn't fight for you and didn't want you? And because I kind of had a closer relationship with her, so I we had talked, we talked about it, just the two of us. And she kind of explained what her reasons were. And I think, you know, it wasn't mostly directed at 
like the kind of swimmer I am and the kind of person I am. And I, I don't want to voice like the exact reasons on here, but pretty much it was still really hard. Like Mary and I were thinking, should we find a new coach? Like, how can you be coached by someone who doesn't even support you? And so like, again, trying to go through that, like a couple weeks out from the most important competition of your season was extremely stressful. So we ended up kind of working it out and we ended up staying with the coach because there was just no other, there's no way that we could Mm -hmm. have moved somewhere else and like found somebody else to coach us who wasn't, you know, an employee of USA Synchro. So it just got really dirty and really like dramatic. And it felt like even after we had qualified, there was just like this dark cloud Mm -hmm. because there was a large community of people in USA Synchro who we knew didn't want us to be the Olympic duet. They wanted these other two people to be it. And we could feel that, you know, you feel that a large portion of the community just doesn't support you and you're the ones representing the u.s and going out there and having to you know perform under all this pressure and to feel like a large there's so many people who really just genuinely don't want you there Mm -hmm. and including some of your teammates who don't think that you deserve to be there so that was kind of it was tough did you feel that before the deliberation or whatever the legal term is for that, the arbitration, whatever, did you feel those feelings beforehand as significantly or even at all? A little bit. I think we knew that there was still kind of a rift in the yeah. synchro community, but it didn't really, it wasn't as intense until after the final decision was made and it was like, okay, they are the ones going. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that can be done. Um, and yeah, I think you didn't really like live it and feel it until the decision was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, once everything's out there, it's out there. It's not like you can hide behind a veil of, oh, you yeah. know, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. It's a very obvious thing. And I mean, it's difficult once everyone knows all the secrets, which it, it's, I mean, it's more just unfortunate that all that stuff came out. I yeah. bet you would have been significantly happier not knowing any of that stuff. And oh, you, yeah. You oh, yeah. And that's why it's went supposed- along. It's supposed to be confidential. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. obviously, they're, again, they're talking about like real athletes, yeah. why somebody should be or shouldn't be on a, you know, in a specific spot. So we're, we're not supposed to know mm-hmm. any of that. So. I mean, you obviously couldn't, not everybody could have picked you. I mean, obviously with you and your partner not even yeah. getting the duet at the time, even after what you did, there had to have been something out there that at least a portion of the, a significant mm-hmm. portion yeah. of the community would have been against you. But yeah, just finding out exactly what they said, how they said it. I mean, just finding out your coach after you doing what you did for the, the team in the United States and then coming out and finding out like, Oh, by the way, like, you know, we know that you, you know, significantly put your body on the line and everything that you've been doing with your, your surgeries mm-hmm. and, and six week turnaround mm-hmm. with your partner yep. and all this stuff. And, but we really actually wanted the other group. I mean, I understand you not wanting to voice your, your, you know, exactly what the coach said, but like, even just thinking about it, like what was it? a? I mean, I have to assume it was more of a grass is greener on the other side. Like I know what these two can do. I want to see what the other two can do. Maybe again, you don't have to say it. I'm just yeah. kind of thinking out loud here and you please do not answer, but um, it's just one of, that's just his, absolutely crazy to me that that would be something that you know even crosses someone's mind let alone or maybe not crosses their mind but actually fighting against your team like that just sounds ridiculous to me but anyway just just exactly no and and you're you're absolutely right and just still every day we have to go to the pool Mm -hmm. 
these people and know that they're trying to take you out and mm-hmm. you still have to train with them. You know, and again, I wasn't in the team, so I wasn't quite as close to it. But Mary, I mean, they had to swim in the same pattern. So mm-hmm. next to, you know, next to these girls who were trying to take us out. And that was, that was really tough. And so when we went to the Olympic qualifier, you know, Mary and I qualified again, we had to get top 17, mm-hmm. which not not very hard for us so I was really happy of course the team however they did well so they beat I can't remember who it was but we beat somebody that had we had never beaten before like Greece or France or someone like that but they didn't qualify so they didn't Mm -hmm. get top three I think we got they got fifth and as much as I wanted to be happy for us because we we knew that we were going to the Olympics it was also like a very weird situation because eight other girls who we were training with just stopped short of the dream mm-hmm. you know and they they knew it was going to be tough they knew it was going to be it was going to be really really close but to see like to see their faces because that's that's really where the line is drawn like you you're not going that's it you didn't qualify and these people like I've swam with them for years and years from all the way from when I was a junior and to see them heartbroken like that was really tough. And to experience like my own joy in qualifying was really tough. Mm-hmm. And then we came back and kind of the team, you know, disbanded. They were supposed to go to a comp- another competition, but everybody was just checked yeah. out. Like, why? Yeah, I, why? You know. <laughs> so then it was just Mary and I. Like, then it was, you know, just us two left. And we spent the, the summer traveling and going to different competitions. And it was just us two and our coach. And, you know, then came the Olympics. And again, we went into it knowing that there was still kind of this dark cloud looming over us. The, I think there was, there was a USA synchro had posted something on Facebook, like the result of some competition we went to. And I saw somebody comment under it saying something like, well, maybe you should have picked a different duet or something like that. And I, and I was like, Oh, like stabbed to the heart. Cause mm-hmm. I like, I had given up my life. Like I'd given yeah. up helping my family when, when my dad was sick, I was, you know, I was injured. I was still in pain, not, not in as much, but still I was dealing with the aftermath of surgery. I had just gone through like an awful breakup that summer. So it's like all these things that I was trying Mm -hmm. to go through and there were still people who were like, man, 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 like she shouldn't have been. Yeah. The internet. I mean, obviously I've never been in your situation before, so let's just preface it with that. But (laughs) what I've found is the internet's a pretty bad place. Um, and comment sections are not really places you want to hang out. Obviously, if it crosses your eyes and you can't avoid it, it is what it is. But that is one thing that I try and see, do not seek out yeah. unless I'm in yeah. for a laugh and looking just to see dumb people <laughs> fight with each other. I do my best not to look at comment sections because it's yeah. just mean people being mean to each other just to be mean. Um, I like doing that in real life more. It's more fun when you can see someone's face, <laughs> in my opinion. Plus, it's just my friends, so I don't really bother. But yeah, yeah that, I, I can understand that just being, I mean, as you said, a dark cloud. Um, it's not really something even the joy you got from it probably wasn't as much as you would have gotten, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, with the girls on the team, some of them being against you, but still you kind of wanting them to go to the Olympics, you know how much time that they put in as well. So it's not like you were against them going to the Olympics, but you understand that that is what it is. And it's just a situation. And another point I want to make, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping back a couple, couple minutes now. I also think it's ridiculous that some of the people on your team fought that much against you, even though you were a part of the camp that wanted to keep the old coach, especially your coach. You were part of the camp that wanted to keep the old coach, but you understood like, Hey, you know, I want to represent my country. I want to do everything I can. I want to go to the Olympics Mm -hmm. and and swim for the United States. I'm going to come back, even though I disagree with it. And Mm -hmm. yet 
they're still that vehemently against you. I think, I mean, I understand if technically or, or swimming wise, I would never be able to judge that. That's why those people are there. But if those weren't the end all be all reasons, um, I just think that that that's an absolute, like just, I, I really can't think of a word that I would use to describe that. So it's just, again, just a super yeah. unfortunate situation, but yeah. When I think like logically about it, I know that it, it probably wasn't directed at Mary and yeah. I like personally, I think it was just, they were so close Mm-hmm. And they just, they wanted to fight till the end. And to it, like, I respect that to a degree, but at what cost do you do that at? You know, you cost mm-hmm. your friendships, you cause this drama in the in the community. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like, if they had won, they hadn't been training their duet for six months, they would have, you know, obviously they would have qualified, or we would have qualified for them. And then they wanted to have another trials. You know, if they would have been picked, they wouldn't have done as well as we did at the Olympics because they just haven't been training. Mm-hmm. So, I like it's in my mind. I know it wasn't personal, but it felt like mm-hmm. that, especially yeah. after all of the yeah. work that I had put in. Mm-hmm. You know, and to, and just imagining like having all of that be taken away, I just I can't I can't imagine that. I would never be able to imagine that either. <laughs> so so, but hey, you went to the Olympics though. Mm-hmm. You made it. You went there. I mean last laugh. I don't know. Maybe we can call it that, but you got to go to the Olympics. So I guess, uh, keep going with the story. I'm yeah. hoping that it kind of takes a positive spin though. Cause you made it, you did it. It'll take, it'll take one more, one more dip okay. later, right. a All couple right. years down the road. But All right. yeah, I mean, Very the, drama your, your first Olympics is awesome. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you're just walking around with these, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed cause everything you're experiencing for the first time walking in the opening ceremonies, just experiencing the village and everything like that. I think the hardest part for me was really dealing with it physically. My body was so tired. I feel like because of my surgery, I wasn't able to get the strength that I needed like mm-hmm. outside the pool to be able to handle them. Um, the demands inside the pool. I know that was a huge concern for my coach. Like, is she going to be strong enough to outlast this marathon? Because it really is a marathon. And once you get to the games, you have the additional stress, mental stress of you're at the games. Like you Mm -hmm. better perform, you know, to your absolute best ability, you better not mess up. So I remember like before, especially before the very last day that we competed, I was just the night before like praying to God, like, please just let me make it through the program. Like Mm -hmm. I actually was worried that my body might just like stop and just not be able to keep going because I was that tired. Um, And I think ultimately, you know, it's kind of like mind over matter. You don't have a choice. You, You have to do it. And we swam and you know, we finished 10th and 11th in the two in the two programs. So 11th overall, not great rankings overall for, for the U.S., but I felt like for us, it was a huge win. We wrote a new program that summer. Again, nobody writes a new program two months before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. We had been training kind of on and off because of the different things that happened throughout the season. I thought we came together really well. And now looking back at our programs, like I'm really proud of, of what we were able to come together. Our small team of, you know, myself, Mary and our coach Mayu, I, I think we did a great job and I didn't feel like we really received any recognition from the synchro community for what we did because that final ranking wasn't as high as probably people would have hoped. And so that kind of like stung a little bit too, but I knew inside I was like mm-hmm. very, very happy with how we did and what we went through and how we came out at the end of it. I mean, considering, so, yeah, considering all the circumstances that went into it, I mean, shoot, being 11th best in the world at something I think is pretty incredible um, yeah. in my book. So I yeah. think 
you know, a hundred percent. And, and I, I mean, I don't know about the, as you were saying, the synchro community may, maybe not have appreciated it that much. Did they know everything that was going on or like, are you talking about the immediate community or maybe just like the more wide scale community? I, I'm more talking about like this, the community in USA synchro. It's okay. not, it's small. So people mm-hmm. hear things yeah, that are yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. I don't think people knew the extent to mm-hmm. which everything kind of went. I think people heard rumors, but, mm-hmm. and this is why it's, it's, it's great for me to, to be able to talk about mm-hmm. this on this platform is because I feel like people, like people don't, don't really know what we had to go through and how, just how difficult it was to be dealing with those kind of outside things while you're trying to prepare for the most important meat of your mm-hmm. life. Um, and so I feel like people didn't give us really that respect that like we just did something really really hard not only did we train for the olympics which is hard in itself we also went through these these other things that were just terrible and i feel like people should you know give us a little bit more credit for that and not just talk about oh well they got 11th they barely made finals you know Mm -hmm. so but i know for me like i know i ended it i ended the, the the competition happy I came home and I knew that I was going to go back to school. I had, I had my senior year to finish off and I was super excited to go back to Stanford. I knew I was going to be living with a girl who was on the water polo Olympic team. They won a gold medal in London. Mm -hmm, So we were going to be roommates and we kind of had that shared experience. I was super excited. I came back to school and it was really awkward. So I came back to Stanford Synchro and there was a couple girls from the national team who came back with me. There was four of them, Olivia being one of them. Mm. And it was weird. Like I wanted to share my experience with my teammates, my friends. And I felt like I couldn't because I had to be so sensitive Mm -hmm. to them. And I knew that, you know, they just watched the Olympics in August. And one of my teammates, which I thought it was very mature of her to do, she came up to me and she said, look, like I'm still having a really hard time with this. I couldn't watch the games because it was just so painful knowing that I wasn't there and that I didn't qualify. So I'm sorry if I'm not like, you know, being super mm-hmm. friendly, I'm just still trying to process this, which I thought that was very mature of her. Yeah. But everybody else, I just felt like was very distant from me. And so like, I didn't wear any of my USA stuff to the pool, even though I wanted to, like I saw the other Olympians on campus, mm-hmm. you know, just being so excited and so proud of their accomplishment. And I felt like I just couldn't really do that because mm-hmm. I knew that they were, I didn't want to like rub it in their face. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, like, does it, does it frustrate you that you, I mean, I guess felt that way that, I mean, maybe, I don't want to say they made you feel a particular way because, I mean, that, that gets into some interesting topics. But, I mean, did that get you angry? Did that frustrate you that knowing, like, if you were happy about what you did and what you accomplished in an amazing goal where not that many people are able to do that? Again, 11th best in the world at something's incredible. Like, and not being able to really be excited about it. And then also seeing other people around mm-hmm. campus being as excited as they were. Like, did, how, how did that make you feel? And, like, what were some of the emotions you felt around that? Yeah, it was, it was really, it was frustrating. Like the logical part of me knew that I just had this amazing experience. They didn't, I have to be sensitive to that. But the other, the emotional part of me was like, well, I like, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I did what I had to do and I want to share that with, with people. But I, and I, but I still felt like I just couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it was, it was awkward and it was weird. And I, I didn't think it was going to be like that. and you know, I wish it had been different, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get myself to like flaunt it in front Mm -hmm. of everyone, knowing that, that these, that these people would have been hurt by it. Um, 
So, and, you know, and do you think that was more a product of the timing? Like immediately after, as you said, it was August and now, I mean, what is it? September. It's like, you're right back at school. Was it more the timing or was it, I mean, like looking back, would you have done the same thing? I think, I think I would have. And I think maybe I would have like communicated a little bit better about my feelings about that. Because mm -hmm. again, the easiest thing to do when a situation is uncomfortable is just to try to ignore it mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, not say anything. And now that I'm a little bit older, I know like I probably should have just ha grabbed lunch with all those people and said like, look, this is how I'm feeling. And you know, I don't want it to be awkward, but I'm really excited about this, you know, this thing that I did. So if it makes you uncomfortable, like, please let me know, but just know where I'm coming from as well. Mm -hmm. But again, at the time it was like, you don't want to bring up a sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. Like it literally just happened. All the drama happened in the, in the spring. So I kind of just ignored it, try to go, you know, go about my own way and kind of let them be. And those relationships have definitely gotten back to a good place now you know that now that it's been a couple of years but that first year it was it was a little rough mm -hmm. um so yeah and then we swam our final season we finally won the collegiate champion collegiate national championships congratulations which was amazing for you know for my senior year and after i had graduated i was i was ready to go back to the national team like i never thought that I wanted to do two Olympics. I always thought, okay, 2012, that's my year. And after that, I'm going to be done with synchro. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be in a pool. I don't want to like train for eight to 10 hours a day. But something about going through that Olympic experience, and I remember specifically one moment during the closing ceremonies, they do like a, a passing of the torch to the next summer Olympics. And it was to Rio. And they did this whole thing with like the Rio logo and everything. And I remember watching that and having like this moment click and being like, I want to do it again. Like that was so awesome. Even though all of the drama and like ups and downs that I went through, like I want to have this feeling again. Mm -hmm. It's really like a high that you get that you just, you get like the Olympic fever and you just mm -hmm. want to experience it again. So after I graduated, that next year I was like, okay, I have no commitments. I'm done with school. I want to go back to the national team. Like, let's do this. We've got three years. Like I want to, I want to get back on and start training. And so we had this competition in the summer that we went to with Stanford. We came home. The trials were like two weeks away. I was not prepared at all. Mm. Like I knew that I probably wasn't going to swim well because I, I just wasn't ready. I learned like the routine that you had to swim like literally two days before I didn't have a coach come with me to trials. It was down in Southern California. I showed up. I was one of two people. So there was another girl who was on our Olympic squad the couple years in 2012 mm -hmm. and everybody else was like 15, 16, 17, you know, these young girls, I'm 23 at that time. And again, I knew I wasn't going to have a good showing, but I knew like, I just went to the Olympics. Like I have proven myself. They'll put me on the team and guess what happened? Uh -oh. <laughs> just take a wild guess. I'm going to that... guess that they did not put you on the team. <laughs> so yeah, they're like at the end, they're naming the, the the team. They pick like 16 people and they do it alphabetically and they pass the Ks and move on. And I'm like, no, 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 there's got to be a mistake. Like, there's no way I'm not to be like cocky here, but mm -hmm. like, come on. Like, I just went to the Olympics for you. Like, how would you not put me on your team again? And I remember talking with 
our new high performance director and she had just come in that year. And so she didn't really know like the drama that, that mm -hmm. had happened the couple of years prior. And she said like, look, you, you know, you went to the Olympics, you're 23. We really want to focus on this younger generation of girls who are just coming up. And we think that you need to lose weight. You're not flexible enough. And we really think that you've kind of reached your peak. Like you're not going to, you're really not going to get any better than this. And I was heartbroken, like tear out my heart. Like, how could you do this to me? I just went through the ringer going to the Olympics for this country, for this organization. And this is what, and this is like how you repay me. You don't even give me a chance. Mm -hmm. Like I understand, you know, they put me on the team. And then at the end of the year, they say like, look, these girls are just out swimming you and you're just not getting any better. So we, you can't, we, we're not going to have you advance like that. I understand. And mm -hmm. all I wanted was a chance and they didn't give it to me. And I was, I was mad. I was yeah. really mad. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, getting called old at 23 is just such a, just a ironic, I don't like, not ironic, but like, I, like, that's so confusing to me. I know I understand like, okay, you have three more years, so you'll be 26 at the mm -hmm. time. Jeez. Being called, I'm, I'm 26 now. I don't think anyone would call me old. Um, but this isn't like, like gymnastics. Old, but, but that's what I mean. Exactly. In gymnastics, like, when you're 18, you're already kind of like yeah. hitting, your, hitting your primage. In synchro, like 23 is not old. Yeah, 23 is when is a perfect time for people to go to their first Olympics and then you go to your second Olympics in your late 20s. Like that, that is makes sense. perfect age. That makes with, absolutely with sense. With age so that's two, you ridiculous. mature, you mm -hmm. learn about your body, you learn about how you train best and you bring a very different and mature perspective to a team of young, of young swimmers. And they picked this team, like the oldest person was like 18 years old and I just thought that they were nuts. I thought they were crazy. I'm like, you guys, I don't know what the heck you're thinking. I don't know. I don't know what, what you're doing here. So I remember driving back from, from Southern California in my car and just like bawling for the, for the, for the eight hour, for the eight hour drive. And, you know, I'm talking to my mom and I'm talking to my friends and every single person's like, gosh, like, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but maybe this is like a sign from the universe mm -hmm. that, this is, this is your time. This is when you need to move on and, you know, do something else with your life. You've already accomplished a lot. If you stop here, you're not going to, you know, you, you still made a name for yourself. You still did something amazing. Literally, there was not a single person that was like, gosh, you should just fight back and just try it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Except for me. Mm -hmm. My parents especially were like, finally, she can have a normal life. Finally, she can have a real person's salary and like not have to, mm -hmm. you know, ask us for money uh -huh. all the time. But I don't know. There was something inside me that was like, this isn't right. Like I, I didn't feel like I gave it a fair shot at that trials because I knew I, was, I didn't look good. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my home club here in Walnut Creek. I'm going to give it one more season. And then next year I'll come back to trials. If they still don't want me, then like I'm going to show up, you know, in great shape. Then I will, then that'll be like, mm -hmm. that'll be it. Yeah. And again, I didn't like, I didn't have a plan B. That was, that was my, that my, I had only plan A was to go back to the national team. I didn't have a, a contingency plan or like what I was going to do if I didn't make it. Um, and so I decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to start grad school. I'm going to, you know, do something for my professional career and I'm going to go back, go back to Walnut Creek. And I moved back home. I started training with the Aquanets again. Their team was all like 15, 16 year olds. Um, I went back to some of the old coaches that I had, which were awesome. They were extremely supportive that whole season. And they kind of shared, you know, my, my viewpoint in, you know, everything that, that, that had happened. It was, 
really weird because I was we were sometimes training at the same pool as the national team so I would be like right there next to them and I got in good shape I you know got more flexible I lost weight by the time I came back the next season you know the the high performance director had been making comments to me like oh you look really good because she would see me at the pool and I was kind of like yep and you still didn't, and you didn't want me. Like I could have been there swimming for you right now, but I'm not because you didn't want me. And then I came back to the to trials the next year, and I won. I won like the the water section, which to me is the most important because you can be as strong as you want on land, but if that doesn't translate into your water skills, into your synchro skills, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Yeah. So I won that that part of the trials, and that was my like redemption moment i was like look like you people you told me that i couldn't do it and look i took a year i came back and i showed you that i could and now you have no choice but to put Mm -hmm. me on that team so that like it felt good it Mm -hmm. felt good to like prove people wrong and i don't want to i don't want to sound like i'm like constantly fighting someone because to a certain extent it kind of felt like i i constantly was trying to prove something to someone but yeah, it felt it felt awesome. It felt awesome mm-hmm. to like make a comeback and and say, "Look, I I could do it even though you didn't think I could." And then like interestingly enough, just a year later, I was being named to the Olympic duet in 2016. So, things could change very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean that that No first drama, time, right? No drama with no this partnership. Dra- no drama. Okay. Um, oh no! No 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 no! no, oh, no okay. Not really. Not not definitely not as bad as mm-hmm. as it was in 2012. I think the weird thing was that that first year that we swam, we were getting ready for the 2015 World Championships in Russia, and they picked a squad for the duet. There was four of us, so usually they would just pick two, maybe with an alternate, and they were kind of like mixing us up and seeing you know who would look best with with you know, somebody else. So there was still kind of like that fight of like, well, I like, I need to show that I'm, that mm-hmm. I'm the best out of these four that I like need to be in that duet. And then, you know, they can pick somebody that's going to be swimming with me. Um, and ultimately it did end up being Anita and I who swam at the world championships together. Um, and, you know, we didn't do that great, but we were a new pair. She was, she was, you know, six years younger than me. And then when we, when we went into the 2016 season, you know, we knew, we knew that we had potential. People were excited about us as a pair. And so I kind of feel like we had some good momentum to go off of. Um, that 2016 season, I think the biggest thing, the biggest challenge that I personally had to overcome was I got a concussion in the fall. It was literally like two weeks after our Olympic trials. We were just choreographing our new our new duet and Anita, we were doing a lift and she fell and like smacked me across the head and it didn't feel that bad at the time, but I went to class that night and I was like, gosh, I really don't feel that well. Like I was dizzy, I had a headache, I couldn't really focus and I had had a concussion previously so I mm-hmm. knew how it felt and I was like, uh-oh, this is this is not good. Uh-huh. And during Olympic year, it's there's a lot of pressure on you to swim and to train and you know that if you don't, there's somebody else waiting to take your spot. Like we had an alternate and she was ready to, to mm-hmm. jump right in there. So I took a little bit of time off but I had to get, get, get back in the water because we were going to have a very heavy competition schedule starting in January. And I kept getting hit. Like my head kept getting smacked. And every time that would happen, I would get really nervous. Cause it's like with concussions, like it can ruin your entire life. Mm-hmm. I've seen synchronized swimmers have to drop out of school, stop swimming, like not being able to do anything because it messed up 
their function so much. So every time this would happen, I'm like, I know I have to swim because I don't want to give up my spot, but I'm kind of nervous for mm-hmm. like my yeah. overall health. Like I don't want to be a vegetable mm-hmm. because I got hit in the head too much. So luckily it turned out okay, but that was very stressful for me. Like I remember we were in Italy training at a training camp and like almost every day I kept getting hit in the head and I would start getting like, just feeling really out of it. And my coach was like, well, you like, you have to swim, you have to train, you can't, you can't take a break. And I understand mm-hmm. the pressure that, that they feel from the deck. Like you, they have to get this duet to look, to look a certain way. But at the same time I was like, are you not worried about me that like I might not be able to swim at all? So that was really the biggest, the biggest challenge, I guess that, that I had to deal with overall though, that that 2016 season, it was crazy. We traveled a ton. Like we were, I feel like we were barely home and it was hard. It was hard physically. It was hard mentally, but knowing like what I went through in 2012, this was like peanuts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And honestly, it was great because there was a lot of excitement about us. Like people were talking, people were, you know, seeing our results. And honestly, like some countries that shouldn't have beaten us had beaten us in early competitions. So, you know, we were trying to, to move up in the rankings, but going into Rio, like I felt like everybody was excited about us and that made us excited. Mm -hmm. And, and we did well in Rio. Like, you know, when I tell people that we finished ninth and eighth in one of the programs, people are like, Oh, well, you didn't medal. And to me, like that was, it was like winning a medal. Like Mm -hmm. there's a picture of me, of Anita and I getting our scores after the technical program. And I like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the scores. Every time we go to an an international competition, when I see the scores, I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. it's always, it's always been a disappointment. Mm -hmm. And this time we saw a ranking, we were eighth. We had never been that high. And there's a picture of me like holding my hand up to my, to my mouth. Cause I just couldn't believe it. And I was so incredibly happy. Like, look at all the work that we've done. Finally, like mm-hmm. finally during my last competition, it paid off. And, you know, after we got back from Rio, the energy around USA Synchro was awesome. Like people were writing to us being like, you inspired, you know, the next generation, like you guys were so awesome. Like, thank you, you know, for, for doing that. So a much different experience than, than mm-hmm. my first games. And I was happy that, that was going to be the way that I ended my career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely, and just, I mean, like, and, and not to make light of it, obviously you finished top 10 in the world now. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, as you were saying the first time around, you finished 11th. This time around, you finished ninth, and just the feeling and everything around it was almost a 180 degree change. It was just yeah, completely about face totally. for two places. And again, top 10 has that ring to it, you know, so that's always helpful too. But still, like one place, two places, and, you know, the, it's, it's completely different. I think that's really interesting on how kind of that happened. And you even seem like you feel very different about it, mm-hmm. um, considering well, the fact. The thing about synchro is that it's really hard to, to, to move up in the rankings. Like mm-hmm. you have to put in the groundwork in the years between the Olympics to even move up like one or two spots. Mm-hmm. And for us, the year before in 2015, we were 12th. Like mm-hmm. we were just hoping to get 11th, maybe 10th. And for us, even at the beginning of that season, there were countries that were passing us up that we knew we were better than mm-hmm. them. And we were worried like, gosh, like I hope we make finals. That would have been embarrassing if we, the U S didn't make top 12. So for us to pass up 
two countries that we had never beaten before all season was like that doesn't happen in synchro. Mm-hmm. You don't move up that that quickly. So it was it was a cool feeling and knowing yeah. that like people recognized that people were proud of us, people were excited about us. It felt really good. And then it just made me wish like gosh, I wish that would have been the experience in London as well. Like mm-hmm. I wish that Mary would have gotten that experience because I know that for her it was tough too, you know, not coming home and having like feeling like everybody was excited about us and supporting us but for you know for Rio I knew I knew that going through that season I knew that this was going to be my last go around that I Mm -hmm. I was considering maybe swimming for one more season through the 2017 world championships but I was tired I was tired like mentally and emotionally just doing the same thing every single day you're you feel you're kind of locked in like it's not like a job where you can take a sick day if you Mm -hmm. if you feel sick you can't go on a weekend trip you you can't go skiing because you know you might fall and get injured Mm -hmm. so you're very restricted in in a lot of ways and I was honestly I was tired I was tired of of that lifestyle so I knew it was going to be this was going to be the end so going through Rio I was like hyper aware of of everything around me because I was really trying to like soak it in and remember it because I knew that I, I wouldn't have that experience again and it was a great way to to finish off my career I thought it was it couldn't have ended any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's go out on top. And, you know, one thing that I want to say, and it gets me very frustrated is um, the more I get to talk to amazing athletes like yourself, the more I hear the story of, oh, you went to the Olympics? What medal did you get? Oh, I didn't get a medal. Oh, okay. I mean, again, uh, yes. top 10 in the world at something is literally incredible. I mean, sometimes you have to put it in perspective for some people. And again, the media, I mean, every how many times a day do we see the medal count? I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and that, again, that's why I'm trying to do what I'm doing here with this and, and, and being able to talk to all of our athletes because you go to the games. I mean, the amount of work and energy it took to be top 10 in the world at something is still absolutely incredible to yeah. be top three. Obviously it's, it's, I, I can only imagine what those feelings are like. And I've been able, I've had the opportunity to talk to some gold medal winners and mm-hmm. they said, you know, there, there's no emotion. There's no word that you can describe the emotion with, but still top 10 in the world at something going to the Olympics, the amount of time, the amount of energy and effort. I wish more people just appreciate that fact than worrying about what medal you got. And it's really funny. I was talking to my girlfriend um, the other night and I was saying like, oh, I got to talk to this person or that person. She's like, oh, did they get a medal? And I was just like, all right, (laughs) this is the narrative that we're trying to change. And I explained it to her. She's like, yeah, that's true. Like, I don't mean to do it. It's just, that's what you think about. And and again, like, I don't think it's people's fault. I think it's mostly the media and and spinning it the way they do of, oh, we have to get a medal. Oh, you have to get a medal. Oh, we're going to get a medal. Look, here's this medal count. Um, Look, 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 look how many goals we have. Wow, this is so Mm -hmm. great. I think that that kind of takes away from athletes like yourself where, I mean, getting top three in the world is incredible, but still just going to the games in general, I think is, is an amazing, amazing feat. And, and we sincerely, sincerely appreciate all the work, time, money, energy, and drama that you got to go through. (laughs) And, 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 uh, you know, luckily, uh, you're, you're strong willed enough and strong, um, you know, you're, you're mentally strong enough to be able to go through that. And we appreciate that, uh, that you did that. Oh, well, thank you. I know that's, that's the first question I always get when people find out that I'm an Olympian is, oh, did you win? Did -hmm. you get a medal? And as soon as you say no, they're like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, it was still cool that you got to go. Like, 
you know, you get a little participation ribbon. And I know, like you said, that's like the first thing that's on everyone's mm-hmm. mind is that, is that medal count, but there's so much more beh- that goes mm-hmm. on behind it. Like even the last place finish person is still amazing at mm-hmm. what they do because they exactly. just made it there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important to remember. Yeah. I mean, put anybody up against you in your sport, I'm sure they're not going to, you know, do nearly as well or put them up against somebody in something that they, they take a lot of pride in. And I'm sure mm-hmm. they're not going to finish 10th in the world at something. So that is incredible. So both, both journeys to the Olympics, definitely a couple different paths you took, but you went there twice and we appreciate it. As I said, I think it's incredible. Um, so now what are you doing? I mean, you, you kind of just skipped over the whole part of getting a master's. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about Master Maria for a second. Um, so, so, I mean, just tell us about everything else. I mean, those last four years was a little bit shorter than the previous four, mm-hmm. which it kind of makes sense. But I know yeah. you said you got your master's while you were training for the 2016 games, mm-hmm. correct? So what was yeah. that like on top of everything? Luckily, again, the, the, there was less drama, but there was still mm-hmm. the amount of um, training and everything that you had to do. What was that whole part of your life like in, in making sure that you were going to complete that task as well? Yeah, so I started the, my master's program at the University of San Francisco. It's a sport management ma- uh, master's of arts. And I started it in January of 2014. So that was the season that I, that I was home training mm-hmm. with, with my club team. Obviously, the training wasn't, you know, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. So I was still able to balance going to grad school and training. The, the program that I was in, it's, it's, you know, once a week, Tuesday nights from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's meant for people who work full time. Mm-hmm. So it worked really well for me. When I made the national team, it was obviously a lot harder. I would go to class until 10 p.m. I'd have to drive home, wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the pool the next day. So that was a little rough. Um, There was a couple times when I had to skip a class. So like a class would be for eight to 10 weeks. And then, you you know, you do the same Mm -hmm. class for every consecutive week. So if you missed more than two classes in a, in a 10 week time period, you had to you know, take that class at a different time. So there were some months that I had to just take the whole chunk of time off because we were traveling so much and I just couldn't, I couldn't afford to miss that much class. So I walked officially with my, with my cohort two years later in December of 2015, but I wasn't done with all my units. So I still took some classes in 2016, but I had to do, I had to do a couple of classes online. So I didn't officially graduate until almost a year after my mm-hmm. actual my like mm-hmm. yeah. gradu- graduation date and you know it was tough but also like academically compared to what I did at Stanford this this wasn't nearly as challenging it was definitely more interesting because it was mm-hmm. the industry that I was that I was really interested in sports industry and you know it was definitely hard to balance everything but I feel like I had such a challenging experience already with Stanford mm-hmm. and balancing like national team and Stanford synchro that this was it really didn't feel that bad compared to, compared to Mm -hmm. that. So, so yeah. And I graduated with, you know, just like I said, a year, a year after I was, I was supposed to. And then after, after the Olympics, I, you know, that's when your real life starts. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of athletes, it's like a big shock. Like, okay, this sport has defined you for so many years. Now what, like, who am I? What do I want to do? What is the rest of my life going to look like? And I think for me, the, the reason why it wasn't quite as rough as I know it can be for some people is because mentally I was already preparing myself for that moment during 2016. Like I knew, you know, once it, August 16th, 2016 hits, like I'm free, I can do whatever I want. And I was already kind of starting to think about like what it is I want to do. 
and I knew I wanted to, to work in the sports industry. I was really interested in the sponsorships kind of area. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to work for an Olympic sponsor, like on an Olympic program. And I got back to, I got back home and something that pe- a lot of people don't know about, about Olympians is that unless you're Michael Phelps or Simone Biles, like you really don't make any money. Mm-hmm. Like you don't do it for the money. Unless you have really high profile sponsors, you're going to be probably paying for a lot of your own training. Maybe you get some money from like winning, you know, a couple competitions, but I came home from Rio not exaggerating zero dollars in my bank account. Like after I paid off all my credit cards, I had nothing. So I really felt the stress of you need to find a job ASAP. Like you're 26 years old. You can't, you can't be hanging on your parents' neck for too much longer. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're happy to help, but you know, you can't, when you get to a certain age, like you just have to be independent. So I was, you know, kind of stressed out looking for a job. I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods for a little bit. They had a, an Olympic contenders program. I worked during the 2016 season as well. I coached a little bit. And finally, I found a full-time job where I am now here at UC Berkeley at the Alumni Association. So it's not in, in the sports industry, which I'm more, more interested in, but it's in sponsorships. So I manage all of the, partner, the corporate partnerships that the Alumni Association has with different companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's your first like real, real people job and Mm -hmm. you feel like you're, you're just like everybody else, except you just had, you know, these amazing, unique experiences. So yeah, you know, I still am involved in Synchro. I still coach, which I love, you know, probably don't want to make a career out of it, but I love doing it as a, as a, as a Mm part-time job. I'm still on the board of directors for USA Synchro. So I'm still pretty involved on kind of different sides of the sport, but you know, I don't dedicate my life to mm-hmm. my life to it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're able to be a person. What, what's it like? I mean, this is like the first time or like after the Olympics the last couple of years, it's like the first time you're allowed to be like a real person. If I may, like obviously what you did and, and the amount of dedication it took, that's why nobody else can do it. I mean, that, let's be very honest about that. The amount, as you've talked about, aside from everything else, I mean, just the amount of time, the amount of energy, money, blood, mm-hmm. sweat, tears, 99.9% of people are not capable of that side of it, yeah. um, which I think is extremely important. Then throw in, you have to be athletic enough to do it. You have to do this, you have to do that. So there, there's so many factors that go into it, which just makes it more incredible in my mind that people are Olympic athletes. I think it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now you're allowed to just be kind of a person, you know? So, so you, you asked all those questions, like, what are you into? What do you want to do? You know, like what, how did you find those out? If for the last, what, 16 years of your life, you dedicated yourself to almost one specific cause. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think even though I was kind of prepared mentally for it, Mm -hmm. nothing can really prepare you for something like that until you actually Mm -hmm. go into it. And I mean, my first reaction was, oh my gosh, I have so much freedom you know, like I can choose whatever, what direction I go in. I can go take a weekend trip if I want to, but then you start looking for that structure again, because you're used to, you know, waking up at a certain time and you're used to having somebody tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And now you're in charge of like your own destiny. You have to, you know, find a job. You have to find, give, give, give your life that structure that it's, that it lacks at the beginning. And again, at first, like you're just enjoying like, 
having the freedom and being able to do whatever you want, but then you start, you start wanting to get a, a schedule, some type of rhythm. Um, I think the hardest part for me and something that I'm, I feel like I'm still kind of dealing with is kind of like the identity part of yourself. Like you always, I've always identified as a swimmer, mm-hmm. as an Olympian you know, after my, my first go around, it's like, that was my label. Like I'm an Olympian and now I'm still an Olympian. I'm never going to stop being an Olympian, but it's like, who am I as a person without having this big thing in my life? And I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. Like what kind of impact do I want to make on the world? Like how, what do I, what kind of impact do I want to make on future generations of, of athletes? How do I want to do that? I still, cause I still feel very like, invested and emotionally mm-hmm. tied to the sport. So I want to be able to give back, but at the same time, I want to pursue a professional career. Um, something I was also kind of struggling with is, you know, obviously when you're training for eight hours a day, of course, synchro is an aesthetic sport. So you have to watch what you eat, but you're still burning a ton of calories every day. So once you stop doing that, it's like, what do I eat now? Mm-hmm. Now that I'm sitting in a desk for eight hours a day, like, how often do I exercise? What kind of exercise do I do? Again, you're so used to having somebody dictate these things to you mm-hmm. and you don't have to think. Honestly, like the easy part of being an athlete is someone tells you, go do this, go do that. And you know, if you have a great coach, then you trust them and you just do what they say. And then you're kind of left without that and you have to figure those things out for yourself. Nobody's making you do anything. So mm-hmm. learning how to be like a, a self-motivator and wake up early and go to the gym, I think definitely take some, take some time. And I, like, I don't think I've, I have it completely figured out yet. I'm still kind of working through those things. Dirty secret is no, I don't think that many people have it figured out. So don't worry. I think you're, <laughs> you're on a completely fine track. And I mean, well, considering, that's good. yeah, don't, don't worry. I think you're fine. But uh, especially considering most people have this experience, let's call it 22, 23. And now you're having it at 26, 27. Um, I think it's okay if you are kind of still figuring it out. I mean, at this point, I'm sure you're you're much better off or, or I guess that's kind of a mean way to say it. I didn't mean it if it came <laughs> off like that, but no, I'm no. sure it's definitely, it's starting to make more sense now than it did immediately after you yeah, were given that definitely. opportunity because I mean, just look at myself, like I was in college where, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you have responsibility, but it's like this pseudo, like not real responsibility yet. Yeah. And, and so I had all that. And I mean, you didn't really even have that, especially with, needing to swim as much as you did. I'm sure you had a little bit of it, but um, I wasn't training nearly as much as you were. I actually wasn't training at all. (laughs) Um, But you know, it was, it was the opportunity to then once I got into the real world, like, Oh, like I have to make money now. Shoot. Like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. figure it out. And you grow up very quickly, which is, Oh yeah. Um, That that's kind of one of the things that I was really happy about as I grew up very quickly. I started to figure things out much quicker and honestly, I'm still figuring them out. And so I'm sure in a couple of years, I'm going to be well ahead of where I am right now, but currently, you know, on that, on the path and, and, uh, trying to figure some stuff out at the same time. But I think you're doing great. I think you're doing fine. And again, we appreciate the, everything that you've been able to give to us. And, uh, I, I just think it's incredible, um, you know, what you went through, what you did and how you did it and, uh, to come out where you are now, um, I think is, is pretty cool. So I guess last question, I know we don't have too much time left, but what, um, what, what do you see in the future for yourself? Like what, I, I, I know you were saying before, like you want to stay invested in the community, but you want a professional job, you know, mm-hmm. let's put that in quotes. Cause what is that anymore? <laughs> I'm sure there's a happy medium somewhere. So is that something you're, you're venturing down? I know you're doing sponsorships now. Are you still trying to figure out other avenues so you can be more in the sports arena of it? Like what, what are some of the uh, potential uh, future forks on the road that you're going to have to pick? 
Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, professionally, I, again, I would love to work. I, I'm passionate about the Olympic movement. I want to work somewhere within the Olympic space. Um, my interest right now is, again, in sponsorships. I would love to work on an Olympic program with one of the, the IOC sponsors like, uh, you know, Intel, Visa, Coca-Cola, any, any one of those I think would be amazing to, to work for. Um, still again like you said trying to figure out how I can still stay involved in synchro while I do that because you know any professional career is going to take up a lot of time um I love being on the board I love coaching but I also want to try to figure out I really want to try to figure out how I can connect with these younger generations of swimmers and just athletes in general not necessarily just synchro but how I can use my story and my experience and things that I've learned to help that next generation especially because you know, the Olympics are going to be in LA in 2028. Like those kids who are going to be in those games are probably what, like 11, 12, 13 years old right now. I would love to be a part of their journey somehow. I don't know how yet, but I feel like I've gone through a lot in my career. I've learned a lot. There's a lot of things that I could share. And I think people can learn from, you know, from the things that I went through. So I don't really know exactly mm -hmm. like how I want to do that. Um, but I definitely want to, like, for example, right now I'm working on a personal website, kind of like a portfolio of things that I've done in my athletic career. And maybe there would be like a blog component part of it. Cause there, there's a lot of things I think about that, you know, have to do with sport and the things mm -hmm. that you need to be successful in sport. And, you know, I think about them and I love writing. So I was thinking like, maybe I could use that as kind of an outlet to get my thoughts and feelings out there. And maybe they'll help, you know, a person or two. Um, maybe there's like some clinics in the future some I don't know like leadership seminars or things like that because I think one of the one of the things that is sometimes missing from sports training is that you really don't get those like life leadership mm -hmm. like workplace skills while many so many things translate to the work world like you know hard work dedication like all of that stuff I think is amazing but really how to like what do you do with your resume? Like, how do you build a network? Like things like that. How do you lead? How do you be a leader? How do you take initiative? Those things you don't, you, you know, just, you just don't know. You don't learn as you're, as you're training as an athlete. So I don't know, like I have all these ideas, don't know how they're all going to come together. I think I just got to like start somewhere and then see how it goes. But I think most importantly, and you know, doing this podcast has really been amazing to just be able to kind of get my story out there. Like I want to, I want to be able to share what I've been through with, you know, people, not maybe mm -hmm. not even just athletes, just people in general. So I appreciate you having me on this podcast. I know it's been, it's, it was a very long story. I don't know how many, you know, if people are listening and they've gotten to this point, congratulations. That was yes. awesome. We love them, man. We love them. Uh, I hope, I hope that, you know, a lot of synchro people listen to this and so that they can kind of, you know, hear kind of like the behind the scenes of, of, of really what happened and, um, you know, kind of appreciate the people who, who did push through it and, and go, you know, live, live through that whole era. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This has been, this has been really fun and I, I really appreciate it. No, but I appreciate you. I mean, taking as much time as you did. I don't mind long podcasts. I listen to some <laughs> podcasts that are two, three hours long. I don't mind it. If it's interesting and there's a good story and there's a reason for me to listen, I'm going to listen because it's on demand. I mean, you just, 
it's like a movie. Like sometimes you don't yeah. a movie. You just like pause it and you come back to it later. Really not yeah. that big a deal. People, I mean, think of like a normal work commute. It's like 45 minutes. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like a two-day work commute. That's all this yeah, is. It's going to come true. out on a Monday or a Tuesday. <laughs> It'll be finished by Thursday. Not a big deal. You get to hear an amazing story, some crazy twists and turns. I mean, some unbelievable. The, the coolest part is, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of drama because I think most of the TV shows are fake, but everything that you said was real. I mean, yeah. I understand it's from your point of view. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. And I, and I believe you. And not to say that you're not a trustworthy person at all, but, you know, there's always multiple points of view. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's incredible what you've been through. It's incredible what happened. And the fact that you're a two-time Olympian and you've, you're a stronger person because it, I think is, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we had the opportunity. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to you about your story and, and really help you share it. And that's my goal. I want to help you share your story. I'm not here to tell it. Um, I'm just here to, you know, ask some questions that I find interesting and I'll ask those questions and hopefully other people are glad that I asked those questions. I mean, I go back and I listen to some of these and I'm just like, Oh, I wish I would ask that question. That actually is more interesting, but Hey, it is what it is. It's on demand. It's live. We're doing it. I mean, it's not quite live, but one of these days. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think, I think what you're doing is awesome. And I can't you. wait to listen to, to the other, mm-hmm. you know, to the other athletes you've spoken with. And I, I hope people really enjoy it because I know I've had fun doing it and I just, I can't wait to see how it all turns out. I'm glad. I'm happy. Thank you so much again. And as you said, you know, you create that website, please do that write your blog post, please do that. Any way you can get stuff out there to let people know who you are. I personally am terrible at writing, um, <laughs> but I love talking and I love storytelling and listening to people tell stories. So bam, I figured it out. I, I think I figured it out at least and I'm having you a good have. time doing it. So that's the only yeah. thing that matters, right? <laughs> um, but awesome. Uh, Maria, thank you so much again. This was absolutely incredible. This was so much fun. It was fantastic to hear what you've been through. I mean, not fantastic to hear what you've been through, but fantastic to hear your story. That sounds a little bit better. (laughs) Um, And really just understand, I mean, everybody's story is different. Everybody has such a unique and interesting twists and turns and their path to where they get to in life is always different. Um, And I just think yours was absolutely incredible. So thank you again so much. Um, Koroleva? Koroleva. Oh, nice. I got it. Yes. (laughs) Maria Queen Koroleva. Master Maria Queen Koroleva. Your name got way longer by the end of this. Um, USA Synchronized Swimming, two-time Olympic athlete. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it today. Thank you, Michael. This is awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to part two of Maria's story. As you've heard, she's done some incredible things. She's an incredible person. I know I use the word incredible a lot, but I can't think of any other words and I'm not a thesaurus. So thank you so much for listening. I know you enjoyed Maria's story. I hope you did. Please follow her. All of her links in, or all her sh- socials are links in the bio or, um, you know, put all that stuff in the, in the show notes. Please go and follow everything she's got going on down there. She's doing some, some pretty amazing things. Please follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram. See some of the stuff we got going on over there. Shoot me an email, michael at ourathletes.us if you have any questions or want me to get someone on or, or just have some nice things to say, even some mean things to say. I'm open to all kinds of feedback. And please, 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 if you don't mind, rate, comment, review, share, uh, like, subscribe, whatever you have to do, just get this to bump up in the iTunes store a little bit more. Just get this so that some of your friends will hear about it and our Olympic athletes get a little bit more of the recognition they deserve. So thank you so much. Sincerely, sincerely, you listen, sincerely, sincerely appreciate you listening to the last couple episodes. It's been absolutely fantastic. Maria was an amazing person. So very excited moving forward. So I appreciate it and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.